Welcome to The Beat Society, where I indulge in conversation with folk from all walks of life in the artistic world to find out what puts the beat in their society. Over the course of the series, I'll be chatting to a range of people in different creative industries who will be sharing their personal stories and work. So sit back, get comfy and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Beat Society. Today we're heading into the world of literature, from poetry to fictional dramas and romantic tales to the wonderful and enchanting world of children's literature. I'll also be joined by best-selling author Lee Russell, all about her journey as a successful writer. Books, books, books. A place of escapism, fictional worlds and characters, the far-fetched to reality. Whether it's poetry or a sci-fi novel, there's something for everyone. When I was little, very little, I'd always been fascinated with books. At school, I loved authors such as Eric Carle, who did the very well-known The Hungry Caterpillar, the late great Judith Kerr, who of course wrote The Tiger Who Came to Tea and Mog the Cat series, and the wonderful writer David McKee, who wrote about a colourful patchwork elephant called Elmer. These books I still have and read today as I'm a mother of two young children who love story time. As I grew a little older, I discovered the weird and wonderful world of Roald Dahl. And in fact, the first book I ever read of his on my own was The Twits, about an awful, gruesome couple. But what I loved about Roald Dahl was not only his unique use of his imagination, but the language in which he used in order to tell his stories and bring them to life. He made up ridiculous words and rhymes which captured me as a young reader and made it stand out. But another writer who I discovered as a young girl is the wonderful Jacqueline Wilson, an author who is the complete opposite to Roald Dahl. Has her stories reflect on real life of families and children living in difficult circumstances. Her stories spoke to me and I felt an instant connection with them. I learnt of the story of Tracy Beaker and then went on to discover more of her work, such as Double Act and The Suitcase Kid, to name but a few. In my teens, I decided to take an A-level in English literature, and it was here where I started reading classics such as To Kill a Mockingbird and The Colour Purple, and I was writing pieces of these work. But it was Catcher in the Rye, written by J.D. Salinger, which stopped me in my tracks, about a protagonist, Holden Caulfield, who shares with us his views on society. Another book I read during this time was Huckleberry Finn, written by, of course, Mark Twain. This story is read, well, told, I guess, by another protagonist, telling their story and their views on the world. But I remember being about 16, maybe 17, and I attempted to read Trainspotting, written by Ivan Welsh, but I gave up as he wrote it all phonetically in his Scottish tongue. And admittedly, it was probably one of the hardest books I've ever tried to read, so I gave up. But I did go on to watch the film, which I truly loved. While studying my media degree at university, I decided to take an elective in creating writing. And it was here where I discovered my love for writing. And it's where it kind of took off for me. I loved writing children's literature and poetry in particular. Heading into my adult years, I was discovering more comedy reads and crime and dark thrillers, and this was what really captured my imagination. I was recommended The Wasp Factory by Ian Banks in my early 20s, 
And it was the first book in ages that actually really captured me. I couldn't put it down and I was excited by every page turn with its dark twists and it really left me wanting to know what was going to happen next. But I won't give it away because it's truly a great piece of writing. Another favourite of mine as I grew older is John Cooper Clarke who rose to fame in the 70s and became known as a punk poet. One that I like in particular is I Want to Be Yours which the Arctic Monkeys actually took inspiration from and he still performs many of his pieces of writing today. To this day I read to both my young children daily and a children's book club which I've set up online sharing all these wonderful stories with families all across the world. Joining me now is a best-selling crime thriller author, Lee Russell, who's written the infamous Geraldine Steele series, along with many others. Her books have become a hit, selling over a million copies worldwide. Having studied literature at university for her love of books, it never once crossed her mind about becoming a writer. Lee is part of the Royal Literacy Fund Fellowship Scheme and is chair of the CWA's Debut Dagger Award. Please welcome Lee Russell. Hiya, thank you so much for coming on the Beat Society. How are you? Yeah, I'm good and it's lovely to meet you over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of it's strange times, isn't it? Uh, being in lockdown and everyone's just on Zoom at the moment. Um, how have you found this time at home? Have you been writing loads more or have you sort of found it a time, you know, to reflect and maybe take a step back perhaps on writing? Yeah, I think there was an adjustment for the first week or so I was in a bit of a state of shock as I think we all were because mm. it was such a change and normally my life is so busy every day of the week I'm rushing off to teach at university rushing to see visit my dad seeing my granddaughter you know so much going on once I'd adjusted I've actually in some ways quite enjoyed it because I've found that I have become much more prolific with my writing simply because I've had more time and there haven't been other things getting in the way of the writing. So um, I, I, I always say that, you know, life gets in the way of the writing. Well, there has been very little life as such, has there? Yeah. So I'm well ready for it all to be over now. But um, <laughs> I think the good weather helped as well. I have never been this tanned before because I've been out in the sunshine so much. <laughs> so there have, been, there have been some good things about it, even though obviously the whole thing has been quite horrific and you know, one can't, you know, one's heart goes out to all the people who have lost loved ones, people who've been ill. It has been a very, very sobering time for us all, I think. But mm. uh, there, yeah, in terms of the writing, I've actually been quite busy. And I'm extremely fortunate that I'm able to, to continue with my, with my writing, that I have something to do. I think I would have gone stir crazy if I didn't have anything to do. Yeah, absolutely. I've been speaking to quite a few people and it's amazing that, you know, given this time, how creative some people can be, um, you know, in order to, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, just to keep your sanity, to keep you sane, to, to keep yeah. you going, to have something of your own to sort of um, work on and take your mind off this, uh, you know, this thing. Exactly. It's been quite difficult for some people. I mean, um, one of my daughters is a musician and of course, all her gigs have been cancelled. She had, you know, she lost her income kind of overnight. And so she'd set herself this target. And every single day she posts, a, she's a singer 
and plays ukulele. And every single day she posts a song on um, YouTube. And I think she's up to date 89 now. I mean, she's got a huge repertoire, but um, that's been her, I think that's helped to keep her going that every day she posts a new song on YouTube. And I think people have found their own, their own ways through. As you say, a lot of people have been on Zoom a lot. My husband plays bridge regularly. He's been playing bridge on Zoom or online and um, his Tai Chi group have been meeting on Zoom just for a chat, they couldn't do Tai Chi. So I think people have, have adapted. And I think also there's going to be a, a, a time when we have to adapt back again, isn't there? I think it, it, for some of us, it will be almost a bit difficult to come out of this lockdown and go back to life as we knew it before. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, I think we've kind of grown used to being, you know, indoors and, you know, when the weather's been nice, we've been out on our daily walk, getting the exercise and then coming in and it's just, uh, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, once we do go back to, you know, some sort of normality, it'll be, you know, it'll almost be starting from the beginning again, learning to yeah. adapt to being back yeah. to a so-called norm. So no, that's interesting. Um, yes, I mean, I've said, I've slipped into a totally new routine. I wake up a bit late. I, I do FaceTime with one of my daughters. I speak to my dad on the phone and then I get up and clear up the house and then I start writing and, you know, and that goes on until the evening and then we sit down and have dinner. So it's quite a, in some ways it's quite a nice routine really, but mm. I've been extremely fortunate because there are four of us living in my house at the moment um, because I'm here with, my husband and one of my daughters and her partner have also been living with us for some years and they just bought a house just just before lockdown actually they they completed at the end of March um, but they can't move in yet so they're still living with us so I think that has helped and I think a lot of people have felt very isolated during this period and so as you say a lot of people have been doing more reading and I think I think crime fiction has become more popular I mean it's always been a popular genre but I think people have turned to it because it does have a kind of structure. And at the end of a crime novel, you know that some sort of normality will be restored after a quite chaotic time when people are being killed and the police are trying to find out who the killer is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that would be quite reassuring, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, books and reading, the other day I was thinking back to when I was a young kid and I was trying to remember what um, book, what book uh, got me into reading and creative writing. And, and I was thinking back and when I was about eight or nine, I remember being at school and my teacher read us the story of Tracy Beaker by Jacqueline Wilson. And it's something mm -hmm, yeah. that really resonated with me and I instantly felt this close connection with it. Had you been an avid reader as a child or was it something? Yes, yes. no, I yeah I didn't start writing until I was in my 50s and I was an avid reader until then and I think in some ways I inadvertently trained myself to write through reading so much I mean it was William Faulkner who who gave what I think is the best advice for aspiring writers and he said read 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 everything and then and I'll paraphrase now he said and then you will sort of absorb what works and what doesn't work and then when you start to write, you will know if your writing is working or not. You know, you'll develop your, your judgment, really. And I think because I spent 50 years reading, or you know, 45 years, reading every day, I read anything and everything. I studied literature at university for four years. 
then I became an English teacher. So my life has always been around books and fiction and stories. And so I was just absorbing all of this for nearly half a century. And so when I started writing, I think it just, it was like turning on a tap. I just started writing and I've not been able to stop ever since. Oh, wow. Amazing. What were the sort of books that you were reading when you were growing up? Um, the earliest books I can sort of remember. Um, I, I love the Narnia books. Yes. Yes. Uh, Lewis. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. Very, very imaginative, taking you to different worlds and, you know, going down the rabbit hole with Alice, walking through the back of the wardrobe in the Narnia books. Fiction takes us into different worlds, doesn't it? Mm. And, and I think we, we need that. It, it, it's, it's almost like a holiday from reality, isn't it? Mm. And um, I, I just read so much. I read Treasure Island. I mean, looking at the sort of books, because I'm obviously a lot older than you, and looking at the sort of books that I read when I was young, they're actually quite difficult language you know books like treasure island and um um dickens you know christmas yeah. carol language is is quite sophisticated authors in those days they didn't really write down for children as much as i think they do now i'm not saying that's a bad thing it makes literature much more accessible to to make the language simpler hmm. but i think in some ways i was almost fortunate that I, I had to kind of make that leap and, and make that effort. And it, when you read, if you come across words that you don't know, gradually you come across them in a few contexts and the words sink in. And I think, I think it's really valuable if literature and books stretch children a little bit and, and, and teach them to expand their vocabulary. I think Roald Dahl is a very good children's author in that respect because he doesn't use kind of childish language when he's writing mm. um, his books. But um, I, I, I used to read Enid Blyton. I mean, I read all sorts of things, really. And I've always been very eclectic in my taste. I, don't, I, I write crime now, but I don't only read crime. I'll, I'll read anything, really. So um, anything and everything. Absolutely, that sounds great. I mean, you said um, you studied literature at university and then you went on to become an English teacher. While you were studying literature at university, did you ever think you'd end up being a successful author? And was that something that you were perhaps working towards at the time? No, no, it never occurred to me. I mean, when I was growing up, there weren't all the creative writing classes and courses that are available now. And it never occurred to me that I might ever write a book. To me, authors were just some kind of mysterious people who lived somewhere else in ivory towers. I don't know. It, 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 I just never really made that connection. I was a reader and it never occurred to me that, oh, anybody could do this, which of course they can. But mm -hmm. uh, books were something kind of separate to, to my real life. And um, it was really just a I just had an idea one day. It was like a light bulb moment. I had an idea one day for a story, started to write it down and became absolutely hooked on writing. And I cannot go a day now without writing. Whereas it used to be that I couldn't go a day without reading. And maybe one day my ideas will, will stop and I'll stop writing. Although I have just agreed to write another four books for my publisher. So yeah, it won't be for a while, but um, um, maybe one day I'll stop writing and just start reading all the time again. But it's, it's kind of two sides of a coin, whether 
you are being taken by the hand by somebody else and led into a different world that they have created mm. or whether you yourself are creating that world for other people and for yourself it, yeah. it's it's a coin really um tolkien was another writer that, that i loved as a child i loved the hobbit i still do um i'm trying to remember and lorna dune i mean there were just so many wonderful books yeah absolutely i mean i remember studying um i did an a level in literature and uh i was reading all the you know the classics to kill a mockingbird um the color purple books. and and then one book i remember reading was the train spotting actually by irving uh, ivan welsh and i couldn't yeah. finish it because he wrote it he, he'd written it phonetically in you know in in this sort of Glaswegian um you know way and I, I couldn't read it I found it extremely complicated to get through and in the end I kind of just gave up with it um it can get in the way can't it it can get in the way yeah that's it and then I, I sort of became focused on trying to to actually read the words uh and mm. not sort of taking in what was going on Obviously, after yeah. watching the film and everything like that, as I grew up, I, you know, I completely understood what, you know, what the story was about. Um, but obviously, because you're writing so much, do you ever get time to, you know, to, to read a book? Yes, I do. I do still read. Um, I've been reading Alexander McCall Smith, um, his um, Edinburgh books, you know, with Isabel. I don't know if you know them at all. Mm. They're absolutely lovely. Um, I find with reading that when you read a book you're really going on a, a journey and sometimes when you're traveling let's say you're going on a train journey sometimes you just want to get to your destination and the faster you get there the better that's all you're focused on but sometimes when you go on a journey you don't really mind how long it takes to get there because you're just enjoying looking at the scenery and the journey itself the scenery around you is is what you're enjoying and i, I find it's the same with books some books you want to find out what's going to happen. And I think my books fall into that category because I write crime thrillers and um, they're sort of whodunits or why whodunits. And so the story begins with a big question because somebody's murdered and you want to know who did it. Mm. So read, reading on to find out the answer at the end. Whereas there are some authors like Ian McEwan, Kazuo Shiguru, and Alexander McCall Smith is a bit like this, I think, as well, where you just enjoy the prose and enjoy the writing, and what happens doesn't really matter quite as much. Mm. Uh, but um, I think the quality of writing is very important, and I do know what you mean about um, a book like Train Spotting. It can be a distraction from the actual story, can't it? You don't get into that world because the language gets in the way. And certainly when I'm writing, I don't want my readers to even be aware of the writing. I don't want them to be aware that they're reading a story. I want them to be just in the story as if it's actually happening. And it's a bit like with an actor. I mean, an actor, if they're playing, let's say they're playing a Scottish character. Yes, you need to know that. So they have to have a, a bit of a Scottish accent, maybe sort of a high or something occasionally. But um, if the accent is too strong, you can't understand what they're saying. And then that gets in the way, doesn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think with crime thrillers as well, I mean, I find crime thriller is a very popular genre. I mean, even on TV now, you know, everyone, there's all these sort of BBC crime dramas. And like you say, you want to know, you know, there's something, you know, a big thing happens at the beginning. And then you want to know, you know, you're, you're waiting for the conclusion at the end. And it sort of keeps it, it keeps you engaged. You want, you know, it's a page exactly. turner. Yeah. You it, want to know what's yeah. going to happen and who's going to come in. And they're going to be a twist to the plot. Um, yes, exactly. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons I think why crime is so popular. But one of the reasons is yes, you, it, it's this um, this hook, isn't it? And you want to know what's going to happen. And of course, you're speculating all the time and trying to work out and trying to second guess and trying to work out the puzzle. That's the thing that I find the most difficult when I'm writing trying to stay one step ahead of my readers because most of my readers are very sophisticated in the genre, highly intelligent people. And I try and put in a red herring and they will see, ah, oh, that's a red herring. You know, I try and put in a little bit of, of, of um, you know, trying to lead them, lead them off on the wrong tack. They see it coming. They see a misdirection and they think, aha, that's a misdirection. And occasionally in my books, I've really, I think, really succeeded and had a really good twist that nobody could see coming but it's difficult to do that I don't do that in all of my books and I think if it's something that's too unpredictable then it can be a bit silly because the reader can think well no one could possibly see that coming it's a, it's a bit of a cheat really isn't it mm. so ideally I want my readers when they get to the end of the book to think oh yes of course why didn't I see that coming but they didn't because I've written it so cleverly but as I say that's that's my aim. I don't always achieve that. Yeah. But, no, um, sure. I think with crime fiction, there's also this idea, as we touched on earlier, that terrible things happen, but by the end of the book, some sort of moral order is restored. There can never be complete restoration because somebody has been killed and that person cannot be brought back to life. The people who love them are going to feel that loss for the rest of their lives, you know, you can't get a, a, away from that. But if the killer is, is caught and stopped, some sort of moral order is restored. And I think we find that quite reassuring, really. And yeah, it certainly like, gives the story closure. Yes, exactly. And, and I think another thing that makes crime fiction interesting is that it does look at society and the way we live. So for just quick examples, one of my books begins with a, um, a rough sleeper being killed and I did quite a lot of research I visited homeless shelters changing lives shelter to find out the reality of, of living on the streets it's a it's a very real issue isn't it it's one that I don't think we have an answer to yet in our society but it's something we should think about gun crime is another issue I don't like guns I, I absolutely hate anything and everything to do with guns but at one time my detective was working in North London and I thought I can't really write a crime series where a detective is working in North London and never ever comes across a gun. So in one of my books, I do explore the issue of gun crime. And of course, most of the people who own firearms, they're not evil master criminals. They're dysfunctional people. They're often very young people. And um, so that's another issue that I look at in my books. And I think that makes crime fiction interesting that it does examine the way we live as individuals like how would I behave in a certain situation? And also as a society, how do we deal with, with issues like this? Yeah, that's, that's fascinating, yeah. I mean, it, 
I, I mean, I absolutely love crime thriller. Um, and there's so many different avenues you can go down uh, you yes. know, as well. Um, so you've got, you've written your very, you know, your popular best-selling series with um, D.I. Geraldine Steele. Where did the idea for that come about? Um, and how did you, you know, go about creating these characters? Mm, yeah, I mean, the idea came about because, um, well, I was walking through my local park one day. I was working as a teacher and I was taking a shortcut through the park to visit a, a student on work experience. And it was a, a rainy day in summer, so the park was deserted. It was just me in the park. And there's a bend in the path in my local park. And beside this bend in the path is this huge copse of tangled shrubs and trees. And as I walked past it, a man came around the bend walking towards me and he just looked a bit shifty. And I think it was just the situation because I was alone in the park with this man who looked a bit kind of strange. And so an idea popped into my head. And actually quite a few men have come forward since then and claimed to be that man in the park that gave me the inspiration, but I haven't seen him again. Um, and I just thought, what would I do if I looked down and I saw a body in the bushes there? And I've seen this man and I know he was here at this time. I could describe him to the police. I could identify him in a lineup. So that was where the idea came from. And I became fascinated by this idea of a man who had killed a woman in the park. And it's always the killers who interest me. What is it drives somebody to behave in that way? There are so many different reasons why somebody might kill. Is it something any one of us could do? I mean, I'm absolutely opposed to violence of any kind. To me, physical violence is never an answer. If you have a problem, you sit down and you talk about it. But if somebody was threatening the life of a member of my family or threatening my life, and if I had a gun in my hand and knew how to use it, which I wouldn't, would I pull that trigger to save my life, to save my family? Yes, of course I would. So I think we all have a cutoff point at which we could actually kill another human being. But for some people, that cutoff point is way too early. I mean, they're basically insane. Because I think to kill another person is always an insane act. S to some people, well, for any number of reasons, which I explore in my books, some people find that a lot more easy than it should be. They're, as I say, to me, they are insane. Um, so anyway, I became fascinated by the idea of this killer and I wrote pages and pages about him. And in my first draft of my first book, Cut Short, my detective was really, honestly, just a function of the plot because somebody had to catch this killer. I had no idea then that anybody else was ever going to read what I'd written, let alone publish it and develop it into a series. Um, well, when the book was picked up by a publisher, my publisher and my editor both said to me, you have to make your detective more interesting. She is the character that readers are going to follow throughout the series. And, you know, however interesting the killer is, he only appears in one book for obvious reasons. So I had to develop the character of Geraldine Steele. I knew nothing about her when I started. And I've got to know her through the books. In each book, we learn a little bit more about her. And it's actually worked very well. But, but if I'm quite honest, I'm learning about her at the same time as readers are learning about her. She's developing as the series goes on. If I had known right at the start that this was going to be a long running series running to 20 books, 
I would have thought a lot more about my detective in the beginning and I would have planned out how she was going to develop and what was going to happen to her. But it's just kind of happened sort of organically and just kind of by some mystery, it, it seems to work out really well. So that's how, how she came about, really. That's amazing. So through just walking through a park, you came up with this idea and then she developed and you, yeah. And like you say, you, you're following her character throughout the series, throughout the books and learning about her as well, because she's such a focal point. Um, yes. A lot of readers are, are really, really engaged with her and want to know what's going to happen to her and, and uh, what's going to happen to her next. When is she going to sort herself out? And she is, totally focused really on her work but she does have her own life as well which comes in in the background of the books and um, a lot of readers are very very interested in that yeah absolutely because you want to you know you're, you're going on a journey with the character and you want to feel connected to, to them in some way um, it's brilliant um, have you ever thought about taking it further perhaps bringing the pages to life in a tv series or anything like that because there's such a large audience as i said previously that enjoy you know crime detective dramas i mean i always get sucked into them i love watching luther um, the killing for example is that perhaps mm. a path that you might like to explore oh i'd love to <laughs> <laughs> Any TV producers are listening, here I am. I mean, I, yes, I, 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 the series was um, optioned by a, a leading TV production company and they were very interested and we got very near to it coming on the small screen. But um, the project failed as most of these projects do, I suspect, with the funding. There just wasn't sufficient funding coming forward from the broadcasters. And the problem really is that there is so much competition there are so many brilliant crime writers around there are a lot of writers now writing for television um death in paradise started as a tv series and then the books were written from the tv series so um yes i mean it would be wonderful to see it i think i couldn't see geraldine Steele on the big screen the books are quite sort of episodic but it would translate very very neatly onto the small screen Yes, and um, in the vein of Midsummer Murders and so on, and um, Morse and Rebus, I think it would work very well, Vera. I mean, there are so many, aren't there? The competition is the problem. So, um, absolutely, there there are so many. I mean, you've got BBC and ITV, and they come out with these big, you know, big uh, budget dramas. But I think yeah. everyone gets kind of sucked into it. I think we're all sort of. I'm not sure what it is. We're always drawn in, certainly with me, you know, speaking, you know, personally, I, I'm always drawn into these quite depressing, uh, you know, genres, you know, someone's dead. I want to know who's, you know, killed them and what, you know, I, I like to know that the different plots, that, you know, the different twists of the plot. And I'm always sucked into these sort of, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I think things, one, I love sort of, characters. One, one sort of advantage I think that Geraldine has is that, there will be 20 books in the series, so there's a lot of content there. But uh, I think the reason that we love all that is because it's basically, it's goodies and baddies, isn't mm. it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and no, I, I, think it would, I think it would work perfectly on the screen, because I, I, mm. I, you know, as a TV series, because as you say, each book and, and it's so, you know you've, you've got an episode there there's an, you can yes exactly. you read it you can sort of see it you know with um 
with any books, you know, whatever genre it is, be it, you know, romantic, crime, thriller, comedy, there's, you know, when you're reading these stories, you're sort of in your head, you're envisioning what these characters look like, what the scene scenery looks yes. like, perhaps what, you know, how the houses look on the particular street, how they're all lined up. And you create this sort of visual yourself as the reader. Um, and, you know, I think that this series would work really well as, you know, on TV. And I think there's a large audience, um, you know, for that. Um, so it would be lovely to see that. But, you know, you as a reader, you're always sort of, you know, it would be fantastic. Yeah, it would be. It would be brilliant. Um, Very so, exciting, yeah. <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to any asp uh, aspiring writer? I would say read as much as you can. I would say be prepared to um, revise and edit your work endlessly. I write and rewrite and rewrite. Um, don't fall in love with your prose because other people may not fall in love with it as you do. Uh, and um, other than that, just enjoy the writing. It, it takes over your life. And if you're not going to enjoy doing it, find something else to do. If you don't have a passion for it, if you don't really love writing, then um, just read other people's work. Because I, I don't really go along with this idea of the tortured writer i i know a lot of writers are tortured but for me writing is a joy and i love it and i i have a passion for writing i really really love it and i think it can uh, can really add something to your life writing and there's there's i mean it is wonderful to be published it's very exciting to be a published author but the real thrill is the writing and when you write something that absolutely expresses what you intended to say that is a wonderful feeling. So I would say, read as much as you can, keep writing, and enjoy what you're doing. That's a yeah, great piece of advice. And I think that shows, you know, someone that is so passionate about writing, well, I think that shows in the books as well and in their stories, you know, to be able to take a, you know, uh, you know, for a reader to, you know, it's a great escapism for a reader. Yes. To, you yes. Know, go away, read, and escape for an hour, whatever it is. Yes. And I just think it's a lovely thing. I mean, I love reading and I love writing as well. Um, yes, I think we need stories, don't we? we oh, need absolutely. Stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a nice note to end on, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so lovely to talk to you and hear all about your yeah. inspiration and your stories. Well, it's lovely to talk to you and i'll just slip in really quickly mm. uh, the next book geraldine Steele series is out in july that's called deadly revenge it's available now to uh, pre-order and the latest one deathly affair uh, came out um i can't remember now when beginning of the year i think so um yeah just a little plug for the new book yeah <laughs> absolutely i was going to actually ask you what's next um, but you've got these books coming out, so we'll keep an eye out for those. Um, but no, in the meantime, thank you so much for coming on and good luck with all the rest of your books and your writing. It sounds like and you've got so many more stories to tell. <laughs> and good luck with your, oh, I've got a lot more people to kill. <laughs> yeah, <good luck. laughs> I can't wait to read them. Good luck with your writing, Kim, as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Okay. Thanks Take care now. Thank you. Bye.
thank you to today's guest. That was author Lee Russell. You can find many of her books online and in bookshops near you. And also you can keep up with any other latest information online. You have been listening to The Beat Society. Written, produced and edited by Kim Lewis.